Uh, good evening, everybody. So great to get to spend this Ash Wednesday with you. My name is Christian. If we haven't met, I get to be worship leader here, and uh, I'm so honored that we get to spend this night together. Uh, this night that reminds us to rest, this might, the night that reminds us to slow down and to reflect and to prepare. And so I like to refer to Ash Wednesday as a nice deep breath for all of us. And so 5.30 was willing to do this with me, to take a deep breath together. Is that all right if we do that? So as we take this deep breath together, I'm going to count to three, but I want you to really let it linger, all right? Like we're going to take a nice full deep breath together because I think we need it. So one, two, three, ready? Lovely. That might be the first deep breath you've had all day long. I totally understand that. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we really mean that when we say that. That uh, to make time for this and to be here with us tonight is really an honor. I know a lot of you came from work, and I think tonight we're going to remember that uh, peace and quiet is really, really hard to find. Amen? Amen. I think that in our lives, we, we get so caught up in the day-to-day craziness and how chaotic our lives can be. And so the fact that you made time to be here tonight is really an amazing thing. Because as we go through the noise and the busyness of life, I think we remind ourselves so often that, that productivity seems to be what we're going after. And that rest seems to elude us from time to time. And peace and quiet can seem so elusive because, oh my goodness, hang on, someone's talking to me. Hey, thanks, Brandon. I take back my thank you for being here, by the way. <laughs> All right. Hey, there's a power button on the back of it. Hey, man, we'll see you later. Appreciate you. The noise can distract us from the peace and quiet. Wow. It's playing the whole time. It's a playing bit. It's a playing bit. The noise can really easily distract us from the peace and quiet. The moments that we try to gather together, we focus on the things that are most important, as we just saw. But that really is a great example, right? That so often, even when we carve out time to, to slow down, to focus, and to try to spend time with God, to try to find these deep breaths in our lives, to try to find some peace and some quiet, the noise can really easily distract and try to pull us away from it. I have another example for you. I'd like to tell you a story tonight as we start. The story takes place on September 28, 2017, otherwise known as me and Shelby's wedding day. Uh, for those of you that are married, you might remember waking up on your wedding day is an interesting feeling because you know that this life-changing event is happening in a few hours, but you're doing pretty normal things until then, right? And so uh, you know that you're getting married and your whole life is going to change at four, but at 8 a.m. you're just like brushing your teeth and eating cereal and you're like, this is crazy. And so I remember waking up that morning, I remember being so excited and I just had this really deep sense of peace in my heart and I knew that this day was supposed to be stressful. Everybody told me it was going to be really, really stressful but I just felt this calm, and that calm carried out throughout the day. So I went and I picked up my best man's name's Kevin. He actually played bass tonight. He flew in from San Diego just to be there and to hang out with us, which was amazing. And so he and I hung out and had a ton of great laughs, and we pulled up to the venue together. It's the first time we'd seen it all set up. So there's this big, beautiful white tent in downtown Birmingham. It's an outdoor wedding, and the weather was perfect, so we were so excited about that. The chairs were set up. The decorations were there. And there's just this sense of calm, this sense of excitement in the air, this peace about what was going to happen. Uh, there's a library directly across the street. And so me and my groomsmen, we all hung out there, and we took pictures together, we ate food together. My aunt made us an amazing meal that night. That was awesome. And uh, we all hung out there for a long time, and then it's showtime. It's a ceremony. 
Everyone's there. All the friends and family are there. Everything's ready to go. I remember we walked over to the ceremony, and it's still gorgeous outside. And I remember seeing Shelby walk down the aisles, most breathtaking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I remember we, we said those vows to each other. You can be to hundreds of weddings before, but as soon as you see yourself say those vows, as soon as you hear the love of your life say, I'm back to you, wow, it changes everything. We took communion together. Uh, a friend of ours sang a song for us, and they announced us as husband and wife, and we walked down the aisle, and I still just had that peace and that calm. That's how I remember our ceremony to this day. How our guests remember our ceremony is quite a bit different. So at that library across the street, someone, a stranger, I like to refer to them as a villain of happiness, <laughs> left their dog tied to a bike rack and then went into the library for the duration of the ceremony. The gasp is correct. That's a horrible thing to do. What does a dog do when you leave it outside for 40 minutes tied to a bike rack? Absolutely, you're 100% correct. And we found out that night that a dog will bark outside no matter the life-changing event that's happening directly across the street, which some would refer to as the biggest day of their lives. It will not stop barking the entire time. I, I can think of no other way to try to tell you about this than to show you a photo. So uh, Pineapple Shirt Kurt Perkins actually recorded our wedding for us. So this is the dog's bark. So all those little white marks you see on the left, uh, or sorry, on the bottom of the screen, that's the dog's barking. But here's the thing. This is a screenshot of 45 seconds of our ceremony. So times this by 40 times, and that's how much the dog barked the entire time. Can I get some sympathy from everybody tonight? Come on now. The only thing worse than the dog barking the entire ceremony is how much people talked about it afterwards. There's some things that you don't want to hear when people come up to you and talk about your wedding is the fact that people will go, your wedding was beautiful. It was just, and you go, oh no, they're going to talk about the dog again. Literally over and over again, this was the talk of the town. And the funny thing is that it just goes to show that even when we carve out moments to be focused and to focus on something really important and to find some peace and quiet and even the calm in our hearts as we prepare these moments to rest, as we prepare these moments to take a deep breath, the noise can really easily get in the way. The dogs are going to keep barking. The news might distract us. Our phones might distract us. So many things over and over again might try to pull us away from these moments to sit down at God's feet and say, God, I just want to be with you. It really does feel a lot of the time like life will not slow down all around us. Amen? It really feels like we have to learn how to slow down in it, but how can we do that? Now, even as we were singing that song just a minute ago, my heart will sing no other name but Jesus. I love that line, but as I was singing that song, I, I kind of thought, man, if I'm being honest, most days I think my heart sings anxiety. I think my heart sings stress. I think my heart sings about worry. I think my heart sings about frustration or exhaustion. And I want my heart to sing no other name but Jesus, don't you? There's a happy ending to the dog story. Can I share it with you? Here's a happy ending. So at the reception, everyone was talking about this. I mean, it was just literally all people were talking about. They were just planning dog nappings. They're like, that dog ruined my day. You know, everybody's really frustrated. Someone came up to Shelby's dad and said, oh, that dog was so frustrating, right? And Shelby's dad went, what are you talking about? And they said, that dog barked the entire ceremony. It was so frustrating. And completely honest, he still swears by this. He said, I did not hear that dog bark even once. And he said, I was so focused on my daughter getting married, so focused on the importance of this and the beauty of this, 
I really don't think anything could have distracted me. I think so often in our lives, that's what we crave, right? It's to have this focus and this importance and this, this locked-in view of Jesus in our minds that we say, no, no other name will be sung in this heart but Jesus. And it's funny because I think Jesus over and over again in Scripture models for us that he had a focused and locked-in approach to his time with God. He had a focused and locked-in approach to rest in general. And so we're going to look at one of those times tonight in the book of Mark as we've been going through. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of Mark in chapter 1. If you want to turn there with me, it's on page 837. It's also going to be on the screen for you. And we're going to see how Jesus models rest for you and I. And as we continue this series about our family values, we're going to say tonight, our family rests. We're going to see how Jesus teaches us to do this. Uh, so if you've been reading along with us in Mark the past month, you may notice that Mark is a pretty quick-paced writer. He really likes to get you to the next part of the story. His favorite word is immediately. Have you noticed that? Everything's immediate with Mark. Immediately Jesus cleansed the leper, and then immediately he, he, he did this miracle. He loves to move the story forward. But notice that Mark, with how fast-paced he is as he tells the story, he still mentions the times that Jesus slowed down. So it has to be important. Mark did not rush past these things. He wanted us to see it, and so we're going to dig in to this tonight. Is everybody there? Mark 1, chapter, 30, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Let's read this together. It says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. It's just a few verses, but there's so many things to take away from here. The first, I think, is this, is that we know from Scripture that Jesus lived a perfect life, correct? Correct? <laughs> Jesus lived a perfect life. He was perfection embodied, right? He lived a life that you and I could not live. He did not sin. He did not make mistakes. He lived a life that was perfect, even though he was fully human and fully God, so the interesting thing about that is to say, well, perfection, a perfect life on earth, the only perfect life that's ever touched this earth, perfection still rested. Perfection chose to slow down. Perfection chose to rest. Perfection chose to spend time with God. And I think the question for you and for me tonight to spin that is to say, well, how much more for us as imperfect people do we need to rest? How much more for us as imperfect people do we need to remember to go to the feet of Jesus and be there, and to not let life just rush by us. It's really interesting to me that Jesus lives this perfect life that also includes slowing down and steadying his pace. I think there's something for us there. And as we dig more into this passage, we see the very first line where it says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus gets up before the sun's even out. That's too early for me. But it's amazing, right? He departs and he goes to a desolate place. A desolate place means to, a place to meet with God, a place to seek God's provision. He separates himself completely from the noise and he says, this is where I need to be. This is the importance of today. But what's intriguing is in this passage, the noise seeks him out. So he separates himself. He goes to find some peace and quiet. He goes deep to a desolate place and the noise comes to him. Simon and all his friends, they search for him. And when they find him, they had to literally search and look for him so much that when they finally found him, Simon says, everyone is looking for you. 
Everyone's looking for you. Doesn't that sound really dramatic of Simon to say? He says, everyone is looking for you. But I think we can relate a little bit, right? Have you ever had a day where you just feel like the phone will not stop ringing? The texts are coming in. The emails are coming in. There's meeting after meeting after meeting. And as soon as work is over, you got to go into rush hour traffic, try to get some food on the table, try to get your, your daughter to dance class, your son to soccer class, whatever it might be. And then finally your head hits the pillow and you finally take a deep breath and you go, man, I feel like from the time that I got up, from the time that I went to bed, everyone needed something from me today. And I just didn't have a moment even to just take a deep breath and have a moment to myself. There's days where we feel like everyone's looking for us. And so Simon says to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Where have you been? The context of why he says this is amazing. So think about this. The entire town had gathered to see Jesus. So think about it. Think about if all of Shelby Township, Michigan, came into this room and we said, Jesus is going to be here at 1045, and they didn't show up. So Simon goes and runs to find him. And when he finally does, he says, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Everyone's waiting for you. What are you doing? You're, just, you're out here on your knees. You're praying. And then Jesus responds, and he says something that I think would be so confusing to Simon and the disciples. He says, I think we should leave. I don't even think we should go back. I think we should go to the next town, and we should preach there. I think I know what God told me to do in this moment. I think what Jesus shows us in this text is that rest is an investment. So often we can think that our imperfection causes us to need rest. But if perfection rested, then maybe we can find out that rest is an investment. Maybe we can find out that rest is not a waste of time. Sleeping for eight hours a night is not a waste of time for you. Jesus says, no, rest is an investment. Starting your day at the feet of the Father is crucially important. And as he meets with God this morning, he, he finds out that God changes the direction of where he's even going. As he starts his day and says, no, the first thing, the most important thing is to meet with God. Even all these things I have to do later, all my to-do lists, all my productivity, the first thing is I'm going to meet with him. And as he does that, God changes the direction of where he's headed. I think Jesus shows us over and over again in Scripture, all throughout Mark especially, that Rest is an investment for you and for me, and so often we forget to invest. So often we think we can just pull and pull and pull, and we can withdraw so much energy and just keep going. Maybe one day I'll rest. Maybe, maybe I'll try to make some time for myself later. Maybe just when I get home, I can turn on a show and just kind of black out for a minute. But instead, we never find those moments, and our time with Jesus slips away, and our rest slips away, and we just find ourselves living a burnout and numb life. All the while, I think our God is reaching out and saying, you can rest in me. If rest is an investment, I think it goes against our culture because I think our culture tells us that our, our busyness is our significance, right? I think our culture tells us that it's all about how much we get done and how quickly we do it. But as we walk through this passage and many passages like it, I think Jesus says over and over again, in a culture that will tell you to keep running and to keep chasing and to keep trying to keep up, Slow down with me. We're going to walk together. When everybody else is running, we're going to walk together. This time between you and Jesus is an investment, and I pray that we don't lose sight of that. As Jesus meets with the Father that morning in the passage, 
I think he also shows that for us and for our families, when we're about to make big decisions, when busy seasons are on the way, it can be really tempting to try to go with the busyness. Say, all right, we got to rev up. we got to get ready because it's going to be a really busy season at work. It's going to be a really busy season for our kids. And I think God says, hey, all the more as those things are approaching, as decisions are approaching, as, as you're picking at what college to go to, as you're ramping up for the, the tax season or whatever it might be, slow down with me. Spend some time with me. Rest in my goodness. Over and over again, I, I really believe that as we dig into Scripture, our God is reminding us that our pause and our process are just as important as our productivity. Our times that we spend at his feet, just pausing life like we're doing right now, and just say, God, we just need a minute to take a deep breath. I think that he reminds us that that's just as important as when we try to run. Yes, we're called to work. Yes, we're called to work for him, but we work from rest, not for it. We work from a place of understanding who he is, knowing how loved we are, and then we move about life with that peace and with that calm, and we go right back to him over and over again, creating a rhythm of remembering his goodness. It's really interesting. I get to spend a lot of time with our SG students on Wednesday nights here, and if you pay close enough attention, at 7 o'clock, some cars will pull up, and a student or a kid will get out. And if you kind of just look through the car window just quickly enough, you can kind of see some excitement in the parents' eyes a little bit, because they go, I have an hour and a half. I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to finally get the groceries. I'm going to drop off the dry cleaning. I asked 5.30 if people still do dry cleaning, and they all said, absolutely. And I was like, wow, okay. Do, people, do you guys dry clean? No. All right, that's fine. But you can see in their eyes that there's this excitement to have an hour and a half to themselves. But if you pay enough attention to 8.30 when that car pulls back up and that student gets in, you can see a little frustration because they go, oh, I got stuck in traffic or I got stuck in line or I got all these things. I just had my to-do list. I just wanted to cross some things off. I just wanted to get some stuff done in my time by myself, but I didn't get as much done as I wanted to. And as I watched this for a few weeks, I just had this heaviness on my heart to say, as we talk about our family rests, for every parent in the room, for every single person in the room, for every married person in the room, whoever you are, and how beautiful would it be to have our spouses and to have our students and to have our kids and to have our loved ones see rested and refreshed versions of us more often. Amen? And as I thought about this, I said, man, I really want Shepherd's Gate to be a place where we don't just say this from a platform. We don't just say, you should rest more, figure it out on your own. I want us to be a place where we say, no, we want to partner with you in this because we see Jesus over and over again modeling rest for us, and we want to chase after him in that. And so we had this idea that we've been working on for a little while now. To say, how can we partner with you? How can we give you a space to practice rest? Because so often our life can just push us so far away from rest that we kind of need the training wheels to get back to it. And so we came up with this idea to say, what if we came up with a collective rest? A collection of people that gather together to practice resting individually. It has a really simple title because it's a really simple concept. It's called Quiet. Isn't that groundbreaking? Thank you. <laughs> so here's how these nights look. Starting next Wednesday, right here, literally you came at the perfect time, right? One week from right now, 7 p.m. I'm going to come up here and I'm going to share a passage of scripture with you where Jesus rests. I'm going to pray for you. 
And then this worship center is yours. If you want to bring headphones, if you want to bring a book you've been meaning to read, if you want to bring your Mark reading plan and catch up, if you want to bring a pillow and take a nap, I think that would be amazing. But we just want to give you a space to say, hey, in here the lights are low, there's a little bit of relaxing music playing, we want this room to feel like your favorite chair at home. And just say, if you need to come for 30 minutes or an hour, whatever you need, to just take a deep breath and to rest in God's goodness, then we want this to be a space for you. We want to partner with you in that. We want to practice this together. Uh, These have been lovingly referred by the staff as introvert nights with Christian McLean. I love that. Because this has been designed by introverts for for those of us that crave quiet. And for the extroverts in the room, remember that I I do believe that you need quiet too. I'm not just saying that as an introvert that wants you to slow down. (laughs) I really mean it. And so if you want to come and be here for 20 minutes or be here for an hour or be here for two hours, we would love to see you there and to just rest in his goodness. If you want to come in and talk to nobody and leave, that's totally okay too. We're going to try to practice this together. If it's this or if it's something else, I think the question for us tonight is in these next 40 days, as we walk on this journey towards Easter together, this, this story that has a big, beautiful, and loud ending that we're so excited to celebrate, uh, this, this, this story that ends with the death and resurrection of Jesus, the story that impacts and changes our story forever, before we go there together, we sit here for a moment and we say, God, what might you have for us to rest in you these next few weeks? And as we ask that question, I just, I can't shake this saying that rest is an investment. How are we going to invest together? And so we're actually going to take a moment to just practice this right now, if that's okay. We're just going to take a minute in this room. We have an eye on the time. We just want to give you a moment to take a deep breath if you need it. If this 60 seconds of silence feels really uncomfortable for you, I would just ask you humbly to maybe just try to press into it with us. Uh, If this 60 seconds feels really, really short and you wish you had more, we'll be here next Wednesday and for the Wednesdays after that too. But together, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? And in this moment, we're going to remember that the God who created you, the God who created the universe, he created everything known to man, and then the last day, he rested And his son, our savior, over and over again in scripture, he models for us slowing down and taking deep breaths and resting in the the father's goodness. And then that same savior, Jesus, spoke these words to his disciples. And I want you to hear them tonight because this might be for you. He said these words. He said, come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened and heavy laden and exhausted. Come to me and I will give you rest. For every heart that is exhausted in this place, for every heart that is burnt out in this place, for every heart that has lost sight of what matters most and just craves a little bit of peace and quiet and craves a little bit of rest, hear the confidence in Jesus' words, hear the boldness in his words, hear the promise that he makes to you, I will give you rest. Come to me. My arms are open wide for you. And we come to the table tonight, a meal that our God has prepared for us. And at this table, we find rest in him. We find grace in him. We find that his arms are open wide. And we pray together, God, we thank you 
We thank you for modeling rest for us over and over and over again. We thank you for reminding us that it's okay to slow down. And God, tonight we crave more of you. And so we say, God, right here, right now, in this moment, we rest in you and we leave the rest to you. We hand over our to-do lists and our productivity and our anxieties and our fears and all the things that are just steaming on the back burner of our minds. We hand that all over at your feet and we say, God, show us rest. God, we need you and we love you and we know that even now you extend a hand of grace to us, a, a hand that slows us down and says, walk with me. So God, in these just few moments of silence and of peace, with every head bowed and with every eyes closed, Jesus, we say we are listening. We're listening.